Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Uh, I'm going to start, I guess you might say, kind of a two or three part series, kind of on my own. I know that me and Pastor Hector and me and Pastor Jamie have tag teamed over the past few months, but over the next couple of weeks, I want to start kind of a series on my own because I've had this thing on my heart for a while and just kind of been breaking it down. And here's, here's what I want to talk about over the next three weeks. Here's the subject. Three words that will change your life. Three simple words that will change your life. And here they are. Yes, no, and now. Three words that will change your life. Three simple words that when we understand the depth of what those words carry with them and the meaning that's behind them, and then when we appropriate them to our spiritual life, we have the ability to see our life changed and glorified in Jesus Christ. Yes, say it out loud. Yes, no, now. Oh, you got it, all right. So now let me preach it to you, how's that, is that okay? I, uh, in looking at the word yes, today I'm going to talk about the word yes. Yes in your life. And when you and I understand what yes means and the weight that it carries as we really get the meaning that's totally behind that simple three-letter word, it does have the ability to change my life and change your life. And yes, guys, this simple little three-letter word that we use every day we say it every day carries incredible power in changing our life for the glory of God. Here's why. Get this principle right here. You and I can't live in the arena of uncertainty. We can't live there. You weren't created for a maybe, possibly, I hope so, maybe it'll work out, I think so, it should have, or it ought to have. That's not how you were created. We were not created to live in the arena of maybe so. We were literally created and made for a yes. You were made for a yes and amen. That's how you were created. That's the God you you serve. And I'm going to prove that to you in just a minute in 2 Corinthians. We weren't created to live in this arena of I... I really hope so, or maybe we were created for a yes and amen. You know, I'm not a real big fan of the concept of decision and indecision. You know, I understand it's real, but as I've thought about that through the years and experienced it in my own life, what I have come to realize is this. I don't really like decision indecision. Again, I get the concept, but here's really what happens. I either decide or I decide not to decide. I mean, it's really that simple. I either decide or I decide that I'm not going to make a decision. And here's what we do. We attempt by not making that decision and deciding that we're not going to decide what we need to decide about. We act like it's not there and if we act like that long enough, maybe it'll go away. That's called passivity. It's called being passive. It's, calling, it's, caused rather, it's called rather choosing 
to not make a decision. And if I act like that long enough, it will just not be there anymore. I'll think it'll go away, and that'll make me feel really, 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 really good. It's called passivity. Listen to Pastor Ron. Peace and passivity are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. I can act like it's there, not there rather, all day long, and that's just not accurate. Until I decide and have a firm foundation of a yes and amen, it's not going to get dealt with. But when I get to that place of a yes and amen, and I make that decision, now all of a sudden something changes. You know, I thought about this and I was talking to somebody this morning, I don't remember who, and I was just talking a little bit about this concept right here. And all of a sudden it hit me. Years ago, before my car accident, I, I lifted weights. And I was a weightlifter, and I would love to tell you that I liked it, but that would be a lie. <laughs> I didn't like it. Because listen, guys, anytime you pick something up, it makes you turn red and go, ah, you should set it down. But I lifted weights, and I would go to the gym, and I'd be all ready to go, and I'd have my supplements and my nitric oxide, and I'd have my, my, my juice going. I'm ready to rock and roll. And here's what I would do. I would pick it up, and I'd put it down. I'd pick it up, and I'd put it down. I'd pick it up, and I'd put it down. That is not lifting weights. That is indecision. because I'm not deciding what I'm supposed to do with it. So understand something, I either decide or I decide not to decide. And that's not how you and I were created. We were made for a yes. Now, why did God make you and I for a yes? Get this principle, chaos and conflict are calmed by a yes. Oh man, you missed a good place to shout. You want me to say that again, don't you? Chaos and conflict and turmoil and challenges and hurts. When I finally get to the point that I make a declaration of yes, a calm comes over my spirit. A calm comes over my spirit. Why? Because I have made a decision and I have solidified what needed to be solidified. So the question marks have been wiped away. The question marks are now gone. Now, I understand that when I get into a, a message or a topic like this and we're talking about saying yes, that it's probably real easy for all of us to feel like the main thing I'm going to talk about is saying yes to God. Say yes to God. Makes sense, doesn't it? Come on, somebody. Makes sense. Say yes to God. Well, that's part of what I want to talk about. But before I get there, what I want to talk about is this. A lot of times in your life and my life, before I can say yes to God, I need to hear a yes from God. Why, Pastor Ron? Well, because the lie of condemnation has built, beat the mess out of me. The lie of regret has beat the mess out of me. The lie of unworthiness to say yes to God and operate in his kingdom has beat the mess out of me. And so I want to say yes to God, but I just don't feel worthy to do it. And so before I go to saying yes to God, I want us to understand that I need, I need, I need the affirmation of my father. I need to hear a yes from God. You know something, guys? 
I got saved when I accepted Christ. I got transformed when I realized he accepts me. Mm. Isn't that good? It changes my whole perspective. It changes my whole perspective because I have the affirmation of the Father. Now, look at 2 Corinthians because Paul addresses this yes and no and indecision so, so, so well in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Here we go. Let's read together. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia. And then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Watch this. Was I fickle? Was I indecisive? Was I back and forth when I intended to do so? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner? Wow. Look at what Paul is saying. Paul just confirmed what I told you. When I get, I wasn't created for indecision. I wasn't created for the yes and the no. The yes and the no is a worldly way of thinking according to the Apostle Paul. Come on and say yeah. yeah. Oh, you got to say it better than that. Come on and say yeah. yeah. There you go. So that in the same breath, whoo, I say both yes, yes, and no, no. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silas and Timothy, was not a yes and no God. But in him, it has always been a yes. Mm. It's always been a yes. Look, guys, his, 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 he, you got a yes over you today. Come on. You got a yes over you. You have acceptance of the Father over you. You have the love of the Father, the affirmation of the Father over you. And it's always been a yes. It's always been a yes. For no matter how many promises God made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, watch this now, because this is our transition in a minute. Because, and so through him, an amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen. It's spoken by us. Now that's going to be important in just a little bit, so don't let it get away from you. So why do I need to hear a yes? How do I hear a yes over me from the Father? Number one, here it is. The way I hear a yes over me is the character of the Father abides in you. You know what the Bible says, guys? The Bible says you are a partaker of his divine nature. You are a partaker of his divine nature. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 1. It says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been a yes over you. Man, he's just, he's affirming you today by his yes over you. You know, when I look at the history of the people of God, here's what I see. I see example after example after example of God speaking a yes over his people. All the way back to the beginning of time, I see God speaking a yes over his people. Look at Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve in the garden. Now they kind of messed up a little bit. We understand that they ate from the tree they weren't supposed to. But as they were getting ready to walk in the cool of the day with God, here's God's yes 
over Adam and Eve. You are free, everybody say free. Free to eat. You know one of the things I love about God? His yes over you is He gives you free will and trusts you enough to make decisions even though you may not make the right decision. Amen. He hadn't turned you into a spiritual robot. He isn't maneuvering. He's not up in heaven maneuvering the, the pawns and the schemes and, the, and, the, and the, little, the hands making you do something that he wants you to do. He trusts his yes over you as he trusts you enough by giving you free will to make your decisions, knowing you may not make the right decisions, but that's when redemption comes in. That's when, okay, I messed up, but that's when the redeeming power of God comes in. You are free to eat. Look at what he does for Abraham. I love this one, guys. His, his yes over Abraham is this. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you. If that is not a phenomenal yes, I don't know what is. I'm going to make you great. If that's not a great yes, I'm going to make you great. I don't know what is. We know what he's doing today for you guys. He's making you He's making your family, he's making your kids, he's even making your grandchildren, whether you have them yet or not, he's making them a great nation and representatives of God's kingdom. Making them. By the way, we had a baby born. Rick and Marcy Hansen are grandparents again. Beautiful little girl. Beautiful little girl, congratulations. Remind me of her first name. I can. I, Harper, yeah, thank you very much. Harper Elaine, right? Harper Elaine. Come on, give it up for him one more time. Had another beautiful little girl. That's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. God expanding, God enlarging, God increasing, God making bigger, God making better because his yes over the Hanson household and the Sapp household and his yes over the Brantley household and his yes over the Cologne household and his yes over the Hyatt household is a yes. I'm going to make you bigger and greater and more powerful and expand so that the kingdom of God is always increasing. Mm. So that's his yes over you. Number three, look at Moses. I'm going to be with you. Moses, the, the yes over Moses was I will be with you. Now, I'm going to take you through the wilderness, but I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm going to take you through the wilderness, and you're going to walk up on a sea that you've got to trust me to part, but my yes over you is I'm going to part that sea. I'm going to take you through the wilderness, and you're not going to have a whole lot of food, but my yes over you is I'm going to make chicken fall out of the sky, so my yes over you is I'm going to provide in Jesus' name. Now, you're going to have plagues, but my yes over you is I'm going to take care of the plagues. There's going to be snakes, but my yes over you is I'm going to get rid of... How many of you will agree with Pastor Ron that I'm just not a big fan of snakes? Huh? There's, you know, really, in all honesty, there's two kinds of snakes I don't like, a male and a female. <laughs> and so God tells Moses, I'm going to march you through the wilderness. There's going to be snakes. But my yes over you is the snakes aren't going to bite you. 
You're going to get to a place where there's no provision and the people are going to talk about you. But my yes over you is I will provide for you. God's yes over you is he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider, and he's making a way for you where there seems like there's no way. Because that's, the God's, that's God's yes in you. God's yes over the church. I love this one, guys. God's yes over this body right here is he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. His yes is I'm going to be consistent. There is no shadow or turning with him. So let me ask you a question. Very, very, very important question that I want to ask you right here. And I want you to just sit in your seat and listen. Do you think of God as having a yes in his heart over you? Or do you think of God as having a no in his heart over you? Do I think of God as my beautiful Abba Father that meets my needs and takes care of me and watches over me and provides for me? Or do I see God as Pastor George describes it a lot of times as that big old man in the sky with a baseball bat in his hand just waiting for me to mess up? How do I see God in my life today? What does God have in his heart for me. Stop and think about that. Because I know that there are people, you may not be one of them, and I'm glad of that, but there may be people in here today that I, I believe that lie of condemnation. I believe that lie of rejection. Pastor Ron, I, I want to believe that God, that God has a yes in his heart for me. However, I've got so many problems. I've got so many issues. I've got so many failures. I've got so many things from my background that I'm dealing with, and every time I feel like I'm making progress, that condemnation lie reminds me of that problem. You know what? God's aware of the problem. He says, I'll make you well. I just want you to deal with the problem. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. The Gadarean demoniac. Mark chapter 5. Here's, here's a story that will illustrate what I'm talking about. The Gadarean demoniac. Here's a guy that's running around in a cemetery. He doesn't have any clothes on. He's cutting himself. He's yelling at the top of his lungs in the middle of the Gadarean region. The Gadarean demoniac. How many of you know the Chamber of Commerce don't like this guy? He is, mess, he is messing up tourism. They are not going to the, to the Gadarean region and staying in the hotels. I've got a guy out in the cemetery that's naked and he's yelling at the top of his lungs and he's cutting himself. Jesus comes on the scene and they say, Jesus, help us out. We got this crazy guy that we need to deal with. So what does Jesus do? Jesus helps him out. Jesus goes to the Gadarean demoniac, casts the demons out, they run in the pigs and they're gone. What's the next thing that happens? Jesus begins to preach truth to them and after he dealt with their problem, they asked him to leave. What are you saying, Pastor Ron? Unfortunately, that's the position of too many believers today. Jesus, help me with my problems, but don't ask me to change. You want me to say it again? That's where we are. Solve my problems, Jesus, but don't ask me to change. Hey, I understand there's problems. I understand there's issues that we have to deal with. 
But that's cool because God's yes over you is he wants to not only deal with your problems, he wants to make your life better, bolder, and brighter for the glory of God. He doesn't just want to deal with the problems. He wants you healed and whole spiritually, physically, and financially. So let him deal with it. Let me give you a quote by a guy that speaks here every now and then that uh, kind of comes through and, and gets up on this platform and speak. Here's a quote by a guy, by a guy named Ron Hyatt. <laughs> here it is right here. Our worst days are never so bad that we're beyond the reach of his grace. And our best days are never so good that we are beyond the need for his grace. His yes over you. How else is God's yes made known to you? Here it is, through the person of Jesus Christ. The character of the Father in you, the person of Jesus Christ working for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. No matter how many promises, everybody say promises. How many promises are made, they are yes in Christ. That means they're going to come about. But you know better than I do that there are times I have to wait for the promise and there's a process that God takes me through to receive the promise. But guess what? The process is part of the promise. The process is part of the promise. It's kind of like restoring an old car. I got this old jalopy here, and what I see in my mind's eye is this beautiful product of a finished automobile that's absolutely gorgeous. But when I stand there and look at it, I see an old jalopy with no headlights, broken windshield, hanging off bumper, flat tires, and that's what I see in the natural. But I understand there's a process that I've got to go through to get that to a beautiful looking automobile. And I know that promise is going to come about, but there's a process I've got to go through to get there. So I'm waiting for the promise to come about, and I'm walking out the process to see the promise fulfilled. The process is part of the promise. They're not separated, guys. And you know what I wish many of us believers would do? I wish we would embrace the process. I wish we would say, you know what, this process is tough and it's taken a long time and I'm wondering if this thing's ever going to end, but I embrace the process so that I can learn in it and grow in it and be nurtured in it. The process is part of the process, of the promise rather. So what's the process? Number one, I'm forgiven by Christ. Colossians chapter one says this, that I am forgiven by Christ and found and received by his, new, his nature. Secondly, the second part of the process is I am found in Christ. Colossians chapter 2 says, I am rooted and built up in Christ to receive what he has for me. You know, guys, we're sitting in a beautiful building that that's principle right there. We're sitting in, in a beautiful building that one day was nothing more than a promise by Foresight Construction. We're going to build a building, and we're going to build a building and we're going to make it a beautiful building so that you can enjoy. And it's a promise by Juan Segarra, and did I, say, I said that pretty good, didn't I? Juan Segarra, and Foresight Construction, and I promise we're gonna build you a beautiful building. 
But the promise wasn't fulfilled just like that. It took some time to get that promise fulfilled. And they, Juan and his team got out there and they dug a trench and they dug a footer and they poured concrete and they, they put cement down and they put the walls up and they put the roof on and they came in and put the carpet down and they painted the walls. And it was a process that went on and on and on and on and on. The promise never stopped the promise didn't end. The promise was fulfilled as the process was completed. And now we're sitting here as that process has gone through its, its system, we're sitting here enjoying the promise as the process has completed. Sitting in a beautiful building because there was a promise, but it had to go about through a process. Number three, we have fulfillment in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, we are brought to fullness. There's a process we go, go through and we receive the promise. You know, I said something a couple of weeks ago in one of my messages. I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was, but just jumping out at me was the concept of my sufficiency is in Christ. My sufficiency, your sufficiency is in Christ. Everything you will ever need, grace, joy, peace, power, strength, it's all found in Christ. Everything you will ever need is found in Jesus. Now here's the other side of that. He's all you're ever going to need. I can lose everything and keep Christ and I'm going to be just fine. But I got to understand something. Jesus cannot be, he cannot be the source and the strength of my sufficiency if the world is the source of my sufficiency. What do you mean, Pastor Ron? Well, it means I look at Jesus as being my sufficiency, but I always got a backup plan. I got something in case he doesn't come through, something else is going to come through. Jesus can't be the source of my sufficiency and the strength of my sufficiency if the world is my standard for sufficiency. Number three, I think. Yes, number three, how else? Do I understand there is a yes over you? Number one, it's the character of the Father. Number two, it's the person of Christ. It's the character of the Father in you. It's the person of Christ working for you. And number three, God's yes over me is this right here. It's the work of Holy Spirit working through you. Amen. It's the character of the Father in you. It's the person of Christ working for you. It's the purpose of Holy Spirit working through you. You know, guys, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the idea that most of the things that happen to us is so that God can redeem them and then allow them to flow through us. I don't understand why Pastor George is going through what he's going through. I don't know why multiple myeloma has happened to him, but I love what's flowing through him. I've sat back a lot of times and scratched my head and said, why, is he, why has this happened to him? But then I, I get a report like I got Monday by text message. And I looked at that report and I understand what has happened to him, but then I get the report of how he's in the middle of one of these chemo blasts 
and the nurse kind of unhook him from everything he's hooked up to, and he goes around the corner to minister to somebody who's going through the same thing. Yeah, come on. I know what has happened to him, and I don't like what's happened to him. Let's be honest, we don't like it. Cancer is a devil, man. Come on, somebody. It's not of God. I don't like what's happened to him. Now, if you're battling cancer, that doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. Hear my heart, guys. Let's be clear on that. But it is something that is just not of God. But we have healing from it. We have redemption from it. Michelle's sitting there, Dr. John sitting there, biting, biting. Patsy's over here fighting a battle of cancer. And they're, they're going through. So I don't like what's happened to you, but I love what Jesus is going to do through you. I don't like what I have to see in the natural, but I back up and I look in the spiritual and I see how God is flowing through you to redeem not only your life, but people that are around you every day. Things happen to us so that they can flow through us. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1, and so through him the amen is spoken by us. Everybody say it. By us. Holy Spirit flowing through you. By us to the glory of God. Why is it that I have to say yes to God and his work through us? Because God loves those that are far from him. He loves those that are far off. I want to give you a scripture that as soon as I start quoting it, you're going to recognize it, and you're going to love it, and you're probably going to say amen. You know, us preachers, we have scriptures that we kind of could rely on to get an amen if it's a quiet day. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? Go to. <laughs> Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, I got a million of them. I just don't have time. And this scripture is one of those. This scripture is one of those that just, it just soothes our soul. It soothes our soul. And as soon as I start quoting it, you'll probably start saying amen. But more importantly, you'll recognize it. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph is speaking to his brothers as they have tried to harm his life. He speaks and says these words. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Amen. But you know what? We typically stop right there. We don't quote the second half of that scripture. And the second half of that scripture is so powerful and really relates to what I'm talking about right now. Because things happen to us so that they can flow through us and impact somebody else's life. Because here's what Genesis 50, 20, the whole verse says, listen to this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Why is it that God is turning that on your behalf for the saving of many lives? Yeah, watch this. Hey guys, this is Pastor Ed. 
We all have a story. This is mine. I was born to a woman who didn't want me, and she told me so because on many occasions she said, I wish you'd never been born. Not a pleasant thing to hear when you're a small child. My mother had some anger issues, and she was a severe alcoholic. You put those two together, and crazy things like this happened. One day I wanted a cookie. All children get hangry. And I wanted a cookie instead of just taking care of the situation. She lost her temper. And I say that mildly because she picked me up, threw me across the room. <laughs> I'm sorry, hang on. Dang it. Um, and I hit the back of my granddad's recliner. The recliner flipped over on top of me and it made for a bad day. Stuff like that went on all the time. My mom cheated on my dad during the period of this time. And one of the events that I remember that's still raw is I woke up one night through a ruckus. My dad caught her with her lover in our house, in our bedroom. I happened to be in that bed. I woke up to the ruckus and I saw my dad pin my mom to the floor with his knees on her shoulder, beating her in the face while her lover stood in the door and said, please don't hit her, please don't hit her. Raw memories no child should ever remember. As it got worse and separation kept on and got to the place where they finally decided to divorce, I was less than five. And the night at my granddaddy's house, I remember vividly the things that went on. I don't know how a child at that age can remember these things, but certain things will impact your life. This one impacted my life. My dad devised a silly little plan for hide and seek, and he kind of broke the rules. And I'm supposed to go to the back room of my granddad's house and count to 100, and then come find him. That was his last words to me, was come find me. So, a loving little kid goes to the back room, starts his counting, and I heard the front door open and close, and I knew instinctively what had just taken place. And I jumped up and ran to the door, and, uh, my granddaddy intercepted me and tried to console me and I was screaming out of control. And uh, as he tried to console me, I remember looking up at my mom who was sitting on the couch. She never made eye contact with me. It's funny how those little things seem to impact you, but I remember her smoking her cigarette, sitting there looking at a TV with blank eyes. And I thought, nobody loves me. <clears throat> Nobody cares, but inside, uh, I'm sorry, inside, something snapped. I didn't know what it was. I was uh, severe dyslexic, couldn't read, couldn't write. ADD was the thing. I was all over the place all the time. My grandmother didn't know what to do for me. So, and her way of comforting me throughout the years, it was always sugar related. I've since found out that that's not a good thing to do. As life went on and time went on, they divorced. I never saw my mother alive again from that day. My grandparents adopted me. I did not know what any of that meant. I just assumed we all had the last name and it made the paperwork easier. And as time went on, the hole in my life got bigger and bigger, and I tried to find things to fill it. 
I started smoking at a very young age, and between that and the dope, I either had a joint or a cigarette in my hand 24-7 as much as I possibly could. It had got so bad, I was up to about two and a half to three packs of cigarettes a day in my life till I was 18 years old. I smoked so much dope, I lived in a fog. Went from that to acid. I've done orange sunshine, window pane, and purple haze. Yeah, the song that Jimi Hendrix made famous. Everything was a blur. Everybody I met smoked dope. We went to church regularly, and at church, I learned how to steal money out of the purses of the little ladies that sang in the choir. I'd go into the choir room and steal their money. I sold dope out of the church. My grandmother decided I was not doing well. She wanted me to have some social structure, so she signed me up to the boys club. And the boys club director was a dope smoker. I was a dope smoker. Became a best friend. The guy I worked for at Buddy Super Saver also was a dope smoker. Everybody I was associated with. A tragedy happened in my life and my grandmother passed away, which got my attention. And in the midst of all of that, I realized the very thing that I needed the most was gone. And I needed help. In the South, people bring food to comfort you. My friends brought me dope and I realized immediately something was wrong. <laughs> During this whole event, this young man came to my attention and invited me to his house and asked me to come to a youth group. I went to the youth group and I told them I didn't want to know anything about Jesus. Didn't work out so well because that night I gave my life to the Lord and everything dramatically changed. Everything. I do what I do with kids because I remember my past and this little bitty glimpse is very, very small. I love the kids that I work with and I love the parents. Thank you for letting me do what I do. That's all I've got. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed, for your vulnerability. Stand with me, please. You may not have expected that. You may not have heard that story or maybe you have heard that story. But the one thing that jumps out at me as I listen to that is the enemy wanted to destroy Pastor Ed's life. God redeemed it. And he's back there taking your kids, taking care of your kids right now. Hallelujah. Why? For the saving of many lives. And the enemy may want to destroy things in your life and, and kill things in your life, but God wants to turn it for good right now so that your life and my life can be changed and we can be redeemed by the power of God. Why is that? Why does that have to happen? Look at the principle. You are God's one and only strategy for a broken world. You are God's strategy for a broken world. And no matter how much the enemy wants to destroy your life, God turns it for good for you, but so that Holy Spirit can flow through you and lives can be changed. Bow your heads with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for the people of God in this room. I pray for those that may not know Jesus yet. And Father, I just pray over those that may be here today and they may be in that place that we talked about at the beginning of this message that they don't see God as having a yes for them. They have a broken spirit. They have a broken heart. They have a, a wounded spirit. They have a wounded heart. And the healing of God needs to take place so that they are confident 
that God does have a yes over them today, a confirmation of the greatness of his love for them. And so in Jesus' name right now, Father, I just pray over those that may be here in the building today and they just need, before they say yes to God, they wanna say yes to God, they are saying yes to God, they're trying to say yes to God, but they need to hear that yes from God today. I pray for them in Jesus' name. If you're here today, nobody's looking around for just a second. We're going to close service a little bit differently here in a moment. But if you're here and you would say, Pastor Ron, I do love God. I want to say yes to God, but I'm getting held back and held back and pushed back and held back and sat back because I have believed that lie of unworthiness. I know that I'm saved. I know I love God, but every time I try to step out in faith and serve in God's kingdom, that lie of unworthiness confronts me. And I want that thing broken, and I want to experience a yes from God. I, I'm trying to say yes to God. I want to hear that yes from God. Would you please pray for me before you wrap up service? Would you put your hand up right where you are? Yes. 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 I got it. You can put it right back down. Yes. Yes. We understand. We're in this thing together, guys. We're in this thing together. Now, here's what I want to do. Nigel's going to lead us in just a little bit of worship as we sing together. I want you to just worship God. Just raise your hands, worship God, and let the power of God's presence just soothe you. The healing balm of Gilead, the healing touch of God, just soothe you today and speak that yes to your spirit. So let's worship together. Nigel, lead us, please. jealous for me He loves like a hurricane and I am a tree bending Oh, 
you, Father. Come on, let's give the Lord just a big ovation of thanksgiving. And how He loves you and I. He's got a yes over you. He has a yes over you. A yes and amen. He's got the final word. Come on, somebody. He has the final say over your life. No, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And I'm going to go ahead and say it knowing I'm going to get an amen. And you are free and free indeed. All right. Amen. Come on, one more big ovation of praise. Thank God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. Thank you.